Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. Let's pray as we begin our time together this morning. Lord, as we think about coming together into your house today, Lord, as we sing this song about raising a hallelujah, we think about that what that word means. It just simply means praise to God. Lord, our hearts are reminded this morning that you are worthy of all of our praise. God, you are worthy of our hearts, our affection. God, you are worthy of our sacrifice. And Lord, this morning as we gather together in this place as a body of believers, as a a local church, God, we just begin our time together as we prepare to go to the Word. God, we just bow our hearts before you. You alone are God, the God of all creation. There is no other God before you. There is no one who can step into our messes. There is no one who can make sense of our madness the way that you can, God. God, you are so patient. And Lord, this morning we need you. Lord, we need you to cut through the the haze and the fog that may have landed in our minds. And Lord, bring clarity this morning. As we open up your word, God, I believe that you want to shine your light right into our hearts. Show us things that we've never known before. Show us actions that we've never taken before. Lord, I pray for freedom this morning. Pray for freedom for many. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you into our time together today. We ask you to have your way. We're expecting you to do the miraculous, the impossible, the things that only you can do. Show out for your glory today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to church this morning, guys. Welcome to January 2024. It's a new year. It's a new season. And uh, anybody excited about something new in a new time? Y'all ready? Yeah? Yeah? Ready to leave the past behind and step in? Come on, get a little bit more excited than that if you're ready to step into something new. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, so I believe God wants you to be excited about what he has in store for you. And I really do believe that he has more than you've ever experienced before. And I'm going to say this to you. This year can be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. Let me say that again. This can be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. And what that means is you're going to have to put a little something into it. So maybe you're used to waiting on God and and thinking, well, um, God's just going to download some stuff into me. Well, God's been downloading stuff into you. And now I think God is calling us as a church corporately to go into things Go into some things where, where we're saying, okay, God, we know that you're speaking to us. Now, what is it that you want me to do? And as we go before the Lord and say, I want this to be my best year spiritually, God's saying, now I've got your attention. Now we can start moving forward. God's going to do his thing. He's waiting to see, are we going to do our part in the journey? Who's ready to do your part this year? All right, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Here's the first thing that I want to give you as a challenge for this new year. Uh, For the last couple of months, I have dropped the ball in this thing of our monthly verse to remember. 
But I'm going to challenge you this month. There is one verse, one simple verse that I'm going to challenge you to, to memorize in this, in this month of January. It's Galatians 5.1. If, uh, if you picked up a handout, a bulletin when you came in, it's there for you. The reason we give you that bulletin is for you to hold on to it, refer back to it throughout the week. Learn this verse. And this verse is so important because the Apostle Paul was writing to a church in Galatia, modern-day Turkey, and it's a new church that had started, and these people had, had heard all about the way that things had always been done. How many of y'all are tired of the way things have always been done, right? They had heard the way things had always been done, but they had also heard about Jesus, and Jesus said, I came to set you free. And so these people were being told from the old heads that were around that, yeah, 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 that Jesus is cool. That's good what you're doing. And you love Jesus and faith, right, right, right. But don't you know, you still got to do this and this and this. And they were saying things like circumcision and sacrifices and going to the temple and all of the rules and the rules and the rules and the rules and the rules. They were saying Jesus plus the rules. And Paul says to them, that's not what Jesus came for. And in Galatians 5, 1, it says it is for freedom. Everybody say freedom. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. That sounded good. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And the slavery that Paul is talking about here is don't go back to the old ways of feeling like you've got a list of rules that you have to, you have to follow all of these rules and do all the things you're supposed to do and not do all the things that you're not supposed to do. Don't go back to that old way of thinking because Jesus has set us free so that we can live in freedom. Now, that's a confusing statement. You're saying, what? I can do whatever I want to. I don't have to follow the rules. Let me tell you something. Y'all listening? One of you. Okay, good. I'll talk to my one. When Jesus says he set you free from those things, you don't have to follow all the rules and things. What he's telling you is that when you get in close to him, and you spend time with him and you get to know who he is and his Holy Spirit begins to speak inside of you. There is nothing more addictive in this world that you will ever find than the closeness and the intimacy that you find with Jesus as your Lord. And as you find that intimacy, the things that you used to migrate to, the things that took you away from God will seem dirty and dingy and nasty and you won't even be able to believe you used to say and do and go with all of those things. It won't be about rules. It'll be about a relationship where, where, where the stuff that needs to fall away falls away. And so I take it upon myself as a pastor of this church. My job's not to be the police, as we say around here. It's not my job to be the police in your life, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking into your Facebook and into your public affair, private affairs, whatever, and saying, oh, you're doing this, you need to fix this, stop this. You know what my role is? The role of a pastor is the role of a shepherd. And the shepherd leads the sheep to the green pastures and the still waters. You get closer to Jesus. Come on now. Y'all, you get closer to Jesus. If I can, if I can encourage you to get closer to Jesus and you make a decision that I'm going to do some things to help me to get closer to Jesus, you're going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And you're going to experience uh, a freedom that you never had before. And you're going to experience a passion that you didn't even know was possible. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not go back to that old yoke of slavery. He wants to set some people free. Would you memorize that verse this week? Work on it. Memorize it. Get it down in your heart. Second thing I want us to work on as a church in this, in this month of January, <clears throat> as we're starting a brand new year, You've heard me talk for a few weeks now about prayer and fasting. And if you've been around for a while, you know that every January we do our 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
And a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy when I say this, but I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And if I'm the only one that does it this year, then I hate to tell y'all, but y'all gonna miss out on some good stuff. Here's what I'm saying. I say this every year and there's a handful of people that does it. And there's a whole lot of people that don't do it. But when I say to you to take this time to pray and fast, it's not all that complicated. You know what I'm asking you to do? I'm asking you to make a decision that for 21 days, starting today, I'm not asking you to not eat for 21 days. I'm asking you to make a decision that, that I need to be closer to God. I want more of God in my life. And the way that I'm going to pursue that is I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to skip one meal a day or two meals a day. Some of you might want to skip three meals a day. It's up to you. It is up to you how you do that. But, but listen to me now. Don't just skip a meal. I have a friend who says it this way. He says, if you just skip a meal and don't pray, you're going on a hunger strike. I'm not asking you to go on a hunger strike. I'm asking you to skip a meal. And in that time when you would be eating, get yourself in front of the Lord. Pray, read the word, listen to good music, go on a, a walk outside where you talk to God. Whatever it is that, that lights up your heart and connects you with God, I can tell you, we've been doing this at this church, uh, I think just about every year of the, of the 11 years that we've been around. And God always speaks to us during this time. He always gives us clarity during this time. So, so you say, how do I do it? Well, you figure that out. It's pretty simple. You just skip a meal and spend time with God or skip a couple of meals. You don't have to miss every meal all day long, but you're intentionally carving out time to spend with God. People have asked me, well, can I do things like a Daniel fast where, where I eat every meal and I give up certain things? If that's what God's calling you to do, do it. People have asked me, can I give up social media or TV or whatever? If that's what God's calling you to do and that frees you up to spend more time, and get closer with God. If it's a sacrifice for you, don't do something that's not going to be a sacrifice though. If it's a sacrifice for you, God's going to meet you in the middle of it. So that's, that's, that's going into our 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know, Jesus had some words about this. Look at Matthew chapter six, verses 17 and 18. Notice what Jesus says. He says, but when you fast, Put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Did Jesus just say he would reward you if you do this? He just said it right there. Now, now, now we, listen, I, I want to make this very clear. We're talking about this corporately about doing this fast. It's okay for us in here to talk about this fast. What he's saying is when you go out and you go into your workplace, don't roll up in there with your hair all sprigged up like that and act like, well, God, bless God, I'm just fasting. Y'all give me a little extra grace. I'm just, you know, keep your mouth shut, get a smile on your face, get happy about it, right, right? And go into work just like everything's cool, do your thing. Don't make a big deal of it. Don't make a big deal of it. And Jesus says, if you'll do this thing, if you'll come chasing after me through this prayer and fasting, I will reward you. That's his promise right there. Um, that's his promise. Why, why should I fast quickly? Just three real quick things that I want you to know so that this is not, like I don't want this to be something that you're doing just because Jeff said we need to do this. I want this to be a decision that you make. Thank you, dear. Appreciate that. <laughs> I want this to be a decision that you make <clears throat> for yourself so that God can bless you in it. Three things. Number one, fasting is a way to truly humble yourself before God. Truly humble yourself before God. You know what that means? Watch me spill this all over me and this microphone. That means that I'm saying to God, God, I need you. 
Sometimes it's hard for us to say to anybody that we need them. But when you say to God, I need you, and you humble yourself before him, your father runs into that. Fasting is a way for us to truly humble ourselves before the Lord. Second thing, fasting allows the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition, revealing brokenness, brokenness, repentance, and a transformed life. I don't know about you, man, but sometimes in me, especially during the holiday season, you know, we kind of knock it out of gear. We, we take some time off. We get fat. We get lazy. We eat everything. It's not nailed down. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all ate everything? You would have eaten a kitchen tablecloth if, if it had been able to you, right? Well, there, there's, some, there's some mess that gets on us. And sometimes in fasting, we can come before the Lord and say, okay, God, clean me up. Last week, Jackie talked about, search my heart, oh God. Show me if there's any wicked way inside of me. How many of y'all, you don't, don't raise your hand, how many of y'all dare to ask God that question? Show me if there's any wicked way within me so that he can clean it up. Fasting will do that. And then the third thing is your confidence and faith in God will be strengthened. It will be renewed. You're going to feel spiritually, mentally, and physically refreshed. And I throw that physically refreshed in there because the medical community validates this, right? If you, you read anything about fasting and there's something in our bodies, like, like our bodies are not designed for us to eat all day, all the time. And so when you fast and you stop eating for a while, it gives your body a chance to reset and there are physical benefits that come from it as well. So having said all of that, I'm challenging you as we're trying to step into this new year and do some things to encourage God to, to speak to us, to take us to a new level to get us ready, memorize this Galatians 5.1. Start your week off this week by prayer and fasting. And for 21 days, we're going to do it corporately. And I believe, guys, if we'll do this as a body, as a group, I believe God's going to do some amazing things in this church. Anybody believe that with me? Can we believe that together, church? Can we just ask God and beg God to do amazing things in our church? I would love to see that happen. Well, all of that sounds like a journey that's going to lead to newfound freedom. And that's what we're talking about this month is freedom. So today, I want to talk to you from a, a message that I'm calling, Choose Your Tree. Choose Your Tree. That'll make more sense in a few moments, but choose your tree. So um, there's a group of us, or, or maybe a few groups over the last few years, that have gone through a, a curriculum called Freedom. And it comes from uh, Chris Hodges, the pastor at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. They created this freedom um, curriculum, and we've, we've taken a few groups through it. It's an amazing program. We're not going through the whole thing through this series, but I do want to give you some of, the, some of the nuggets, some of the things that I've taken away that have really helped shape me in some ways. And so that's where we're starting today, <clears throat> and we're going we're gonna to talk about what freedom looks like. And what I'm going to give you today is a different take on, on how you can find freedom. I've never heard this taught anywhere else before, but, but it was so life-giving to me when I heard this. If you've been with us for a while here at Compassion, you've heard us say that our mission here is to see the lost saved. That means somebody does, doesn't know how to follow God. They, they, they know there's a way, but they don't know what it is. They don't know how to follow God. We want to see them go from being lost to being saved. Now God is showing them the way. And then we want to see the saved be free. How many of y'all know that you can be saved but still be in bondage, right? God, had, God got the people of, of Israel out of Egypt when he rescued them as slaves, but they still had Egypt in them. God wants to get the old ways out of us and give us freedom. And then he wants to see the freed restored. And restored means that we're, we're restored back to the original purpose. Before you were born, before you were created, God had a plan for your life. 
Can I tell you something? God has not given up on the plan for your life that he created you for. Regardless of what you've done to short circuit that. God has not given up on that. We want to see the, 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 the freed restored and then we want to see the restored fulfilled. And fulfillment comes from stepping into that, that purpose, that thing that God created you for and living out that purpose. And when you find your way to fulfillment, man, you're going to find life that you never expected before. And so that's where we're going. What we're looking at this month is that second step of the journey. It's moving from being saved. Lots of people have been saved, said yes to Jesus, but we don't know how to move forward. Well, how do I move forward and find freedom from my past? That's where we're going. And it's going to require you to make a decision. It's going to require you to make a choice. Now, before I go into what that choice is, let me just say this to you. Um, I don't know what all of your background with church has been. I grew up in a faith system that, I mean, come on, man, 1980s Southern Baptist Church. Go ahead and get you a picture of that in your mind. 1980s Southern Baptist Church um, was very much driven by living a moral life. Now, let me say this. Let me honor that tradition because that's where I learned about Jesus. That's where I learned to read the Bible, where I learned the importance of the Bible. So, so I'm not going to bang on that, that tradition. I got a lot of my upbringing from that. But the opposite side of that is I, I remember hearing growing up uh, a whole list of all the things that, that you're supposed to do, right? Here's the list of the things that you're supposed to do, and here's all the things that, that you should never do. Um, when I went away to college at 18 years old, I had lived under my mom and dad, and these were good church-going people, and everybody around them was church-going people, and, and that, was, that was the way things were. And I, I was afraid of my dad. He was a big man, and, and he, was, he was very stern, those kinds of things. I wasn't going to mess up and, and make a mess of things and get in trouble with my dad. But let a brother move away from home for a minute. Come on, somebody. Huh? Took off, went to college. And it didn't last long when I, that first year of college where I, I was saved. Now, now, hear me say this. I was saved, but in that season of my life, man, I'd been trying to do all the things that I was supposed to do. I was trying to not do all the things that I was not supposed to do. I've told y'all before, my grandmother wrote in my Bible when I was a kid, always be a good boy. Boy, I want to rip that page out of the Bible. I don't ever want anybody to see that. God doesn't want us to always be a good boy. Man, you know what God wants you to be? Do you know what God wants his men to be? He wants you to be a dangerous man. He wants you to be a dangerous man. He wants you to be a man that's so close to him. Like David, David rushed into, into war with those who opposed God and he struck them down. God wants us to be men who are not always good boys. He doesn't want us to be boys at all. He wants us to be men who are completely devoted to him, completely connected to him, and completely immersed in the mission that he has for us. But all I had heard was be a good boy. Do the right things. Don't do the wrong things. You know, my grandmother used to tell me, she would say, all you have is your reputation. What does that put on you? What does that put on you? Is that, is that life-giving? Is that, is that giving you the freedom to go do everything that God's built into you? Or does that give you the thought that everybody's always watching you? You're in a fishbowl. Make sure you don't make a mistake. Make sure that your hair's combed when you go outside. Make sure you got a tie on when you go to church. 
What I'm saying to you is I grew up in a faith tradition that was all about moral living. Make sure that you do everything that you're supposed to do. And at 18 years old, when I found some freedom and I moved away to college, uh, two or three hours away, for about the first month, I tried to keep doing that and I got so frustrated. I remember taking on this thought of, if you can't beat them, join them. And, 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 And yes, I was saved. But man, I went into living and partying and doing all the things that everybody else was doing. And can I tell you something? It was fun. And I loved it. And I enjoyed it. And I did it for, 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 for some time, for years. Honestly, for years. And then at some point, what had been fun and all of that kind of stuff, the thing that was so alluring, the thing that looked so attractive to me, got to the place where this isn't fun anymore. I don't feel good. I don't feel good about myself. I'm not proud of who I am. I'm wasting time. The, the, those who are doing well are moving on and getting on with their life, and I'm stuck where I am. You ever been there? Ever felt that way? Religion had told me that you've got to do more. And so when I went to church, what I felt was, man, make sure you, make sure you got all your T's crossed and all your I's dotted. And when I, when I left that and I went into doing what all the world was doing, it was party, 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 and everything was falling apart. Surely there has to be something between the two of them. There's got to be something besides that. Man, I was so sick of the don't, don't, don't. No one. The problem is that no one was emphasizing that what God wanted us to find was the adventure that he had for us. God wanted us to find the purpose that he had created us for. God wanted us to find a passion for the things that he had built into us that bring us alive and to chase after those things. And all I heard was don't don't have sex with your girlfriend and don't drink alcohol and don't smoke weed and, and don't listen to those Van Halen records. Well, guess what? All my friends were doing, listening to Van Halen records and smoking weed and, and, and drinking alcohol and having sex with their girlfriends. And the church told us, don't do those things. And by the way, we're going to have have a meeting on Friday night and bring your Van Halen records down here and burn them. Well, I paid a penny for those things and got eight of them for, y'all don't know what I'm talking about, Columbia House. Come on. Still still paying for ACDC and Van Halen. 99 cents, get eight of them, whatever. (laughs) People of a certain age know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, it turns out that living by a structure of rules is exactly what Jesus came to set us free from. Come on, somebody. Um, Jesus wants us to have a relationship with him. And, 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 and this whole thing of rules versus relationship, you can trace it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So in the middle of the Garden of Eden, there were two trees. And that's where I'm going this morning. There were two trees. And so uh, let's go to the, the garden. Um, which tree are you living under? I want you to start thinking about this. Which tree are you living under? So Genesis chapter 2, second book of the Bible, uh, verses 8 and 9 says, Now the Lord God <clears throat> had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. So he planted this garden, put the man in it. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Can you even imagine the fruit and and the berries and all the things that were in the Garden of Eden that was absolutely perfect? Right? You, you go, you, y'all used to go into Walmart and getting fruit on a good day. What if you're picking a mango straight off the tree that God planted in the, in the Garden of Eden? What would that thing taste like? Right? He put that all around them. Trees that were pleasing to the eye, beautiful and good for food. In the middle of the garden, check this out. In the middle of the garden of Eden that God made for man was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
two trees, tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now this isn't in your outline, but a few verses later, we read that God says, you are free. Everybody say free. free. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Raise your hand if you're a parent. Any parents in the room? All right, let me ask y'all parents a question. Why is it that you would tell your children to not go out here and play in the middle of Highway 29? What, are you just trying to keep something good from it? It would be fun to go out and play. There's lots of cars and we could dodge the cars, right? No, you just wanna keep us from having fun, right? Right, parents? No. As a parent, you know that it's dangerous. And if your child, your three-year-old goes out running into the middle of Highway 29, that there's a good chance that a semi-truck is not going to be able to stop in time, whatever. And so as a good parent, you're protecting that child from that thing. God put his, his man and woman in the middle of this garden, and he put all these trees, and one of those trees was a tree of life, and one of them was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because it's going to cause destruction for you. Eat all you want of any other tree, including the tree of life. Now, pretty clear. Now, when you think back to life in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve, um, what, what was it like before that original sin? My goodness, was it good. There was, there, they, they had no worries. They had no pain. They had no fear. They had no guilt. They had no grief. They had no sickness. They had no death, no anxiety, no bills to pay. Come on, somebody. At that point in time, they had not eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So all they knew, come on, stay with me now. All they knew at that point was life. They were living in that close, perfect relationship with God that God created them for, and he was providing for them. He was protecting them. All they had to do was stay in close proximity to God, and they had life. Can I tell you today, that's what God wants for you today. That's why I say to you, memorize these verses. That's why I say, pray and fast and get close to God because that's what's available to you. Now we live in a broken world. I get it. It's not going to be the same as Adam and Eve's was, but God can provide the same level and quality of life for you. But when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says their eyes were open. Their eyes were open and immediately they saw what? They saw that they were naked. They never knew that they were naked before. They didn't know that, and immediately they went and got fig leaves and they sewed some coverings for themselves. What does that tell us? It tells us as soon as they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that it was revealed to them, I've got to do something about my condition. How many of us this morning spend so much effort and energy in our lives trying to do something on my own about my condition? I've got to go make something and cover me up. They immediately felt shame where they had never felt shame before. They immediately took into their hands what God had adequately been doing for them before. How many of us today are living in bondage, come on now, living wrapped up in a life where, where we're trying to fix everything, where we're carrying shame around, where, where we're trying to do the things that God wants to do for us. And he says, you have a choice. I gave you the choice to not eat of it, and you did. And as soon as they did, disaster helped. They ate the fruit, and immediately the enemy, Satan, steps in and begins to destroy them. Well, guess what? That's the same enemy that you have today. 
and he's still after you, and he still wants to bring shame into your life, and he still wants to convince you that it's up, you, up to you to fix things. It's, it, it, he's still trying to convince you that you've made such a mess with things with God that you've got to do more and follow more rules and, and be a good, godly person so that you can earn God's favor. But that's living under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God wants you to live your life from the tree of life. And the tree of life comes from being rooted and grounded in a relationship with Jesus who loves you and gave his life for you. It's as simple as that. Um, let's look at the difference between the two trees. Just a couple of things. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says do more to get to God. Do more to get to God. <clears throat> you will exhaust yourself. I know from experience, you will exhaust yourself in trying to do more to get to God. And that's what the tree says. It's that, it's that old system of rules that I was living by as a kid. Not that it was anybody's fault. I'm not blaming anybody for that. I probably didn't even hear what they were saying. But I don't remember hearing anything about grace. I don't remember hearing anything about mercy. I don't remember hearing all of those things until I was much older. And when I started hearing about the grace of God, that first song that we sang this morning, man, if grace is an ocean, we're all drowning because God's grace is, is boundless, right? We're, we're, we're all sinking in that, in that grace. There's so, you can't overcome the grace of God. You can't out the grace of God. You can't go too far. You can't mess up so much that God will never forgive you. But we didn't hear that. We heard, don't listen to Van Halen. Burn your records. What's God saying to you today? He's saying, listen, my child, I love you. You don't have to do more for me to love you. I already love you. And that's what the tree of life says. The tree of life says, receive the fact that God has already done it. When you receive the fact that Jesus did everything at the cross of Calvary, and then subsequently, when God reached into that tomb, rolled the stone away, gave him new life and pulled him out of there, and Jesus stepped out in a resurrected body. He defeated the enemy. At that moment, when the stone rolled away and Jesus stepped out of that tomb, Satan knew that his whole plan for stopping mankind, thwarting God's plan for good, it was all defeated at that point. We get to live in victory now because of what Jesus did. And so what he's saying to you is, will you receive that? You're like, man, that sounds too good to be true, Jeff. I don't know how to do that. How do, I just, how do I just not do all the rules and stuff? You get close to Jesus. You, you think about what Jesus said. How, what did he say are the important things for us to do in this life? Man, it's so simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. You mean I don't have to go ahead and make your list, 10 commandments, 360 commandments, however many commandments you want to come up, go ahead and make your list. God says, yep, that's cool. Yep, I put that in place for a time. The whole purpose for the Old Testament law was to show you that you could not fulfill all of that. The purpose for Jesus coming was to show you that God did fulfill all of that. It's already been done. You don't have to fill out the law. Jesus did it. Now step into loving God and loving your neighbor. Let's go. <clears throat> So when Jackie and Katie and, and TJ and whoever talk about going to the jail, right? She talked about that last week. Why do they go to the jail and minister to people there? Because they love God and they know what God's done in their life and they love people and they know there are people in that jail who don't know about the love of God. So they step in there because they love God and they love people and they share their story with other people. 
Why does Katie and Avery go to a school board meeting with a young man who's, who's, who's in a situation in life that he didn't create that's caused him to step into messes that, 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 that really you can't even blame him for? Why did they go there? Because God loves them and they love him and we show up and that's what we do. That's what we do. That's what he's talking about. Receive the fact that God already loves you. And when you live out of that tree of life, that's the kind of thing that you begin to do. Second thing, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, obey out of duty. Obey God because it is your duty. It's your responsibility. That's what I grew up hearing. Well, do all these things because God says so. And it was this, there was this feeling that if you don't do these things because God said so, well, you know, in the old Testament, he struck so-and-so dead. And if you don't keep God happy, then, then he's going to make your life miserable. Really? Because I see in, 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 in learning about the character of God, the nature of God, that he's perfect and he's love. And I see that God had a plan for me before I was ever born. And he wants me to live out that plan. And I see that he is patient. It says a day is as a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years is as a day. He's not slow to anger. That's not true. You don't do things out of duty. You do things the way the tree of life says is obey out of delight. Obey out of delight. When you realize who God is and he opens a door for you to begin to do the things that bring your heart alive. I was watching a video last night with Jackie and, and, and Naomi or Bailey or somebody. One of the kids were in the room. We're watching this video of this guy who um, he rides motorcycles across the country and he raises money uh, to help wounded veterans. I'm like, man, that's so cool. And then he goes with his, with his stepson because he wants his stepson to have a puppy to grow up with. This man rode motorcycles all around the country raising money for wounded veterans and he had a little chihuahua that he took with him. And his little chihuahua died a couple of years ago and he's heartbroken, but his stepson wants a puppy and he knows that I've got, to, I've got to give this kid a puppy to help him grow up with. And so he goes and gets the puppy and he's in the pound and he sees all these dogs that are, that are in the pound and he's like, man, what's gonna happen to them? And you can just feel the presence of God in this man as he's burdened for these dogs in the animal shelter. You say, what are you talking about, Jeff? Here's what I'm talking about. Some of you have a burden for elderly people that have no one to take care of them. Some of you have a, a burden for special needs kids. Some of you have a burden for dogs that have been left behind. All of it's God's creation. God's putting something into your heart to go out and live and help and, and be a benefit, be a light in this dark world. What is the thing? See, it's not enough to just follow the rules. But when you get close to Jesus, he begins showing you things in this world that's not right. He begins saying things to your heart like, hey, you could make a difference in that. Well, I don't know how, God. I know you don't know how, but I'll help you. I don't have the resources, God. I do. God wants you to get past the rules and step into the tree of life. And when you step into that tree of life, man, you put your feet down into that thing and the roots start going down and the nutrients and the sustenance from God Almighty start coming through you. Oh my God, what could you do if you were living there instead of just trying to do things right and not trying to do things wrong? Whole new way of life. Whole new way of life. Is that three things? I don't know if I told y'all two or three. That's enough, whatever that is, that's enough. I think I told you all three of them. I might not have. It's in your bulletin. You can read it. You know, there's an old story. Y'all have heard this old story about the grandpa and his son. I heard it. When I heard it, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a grandpa 
uh, Native American and his, his grandson were walking and they came up to the river and they saw two wolves. Y'all heard this story, saw the two wolves on the other side. And uh, the grandpa says to the, to the son, there are two wolves inside of each of us. And he says one wolf is, is, um, is dark and it represents things like greed and hatred and envy. And the other wolf is, is white or it's light. And it represents things like uh, love and kindness and bravery. And those two wolves, the grandpa told his grandson, those two wolves are at war with inside you. And the grandson thought about it for a minute. He said, well, well which one wins? And the grandpa says, whichever one you feed. You have a choice to make today. In the Garden of Eden, God created two trees, the tree of life and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. My guess is you've known about good and evil for a long time. And my guess is there's a lot of us here this morning that are trying our very best to be good and do good. That's what I was doing, going to church all those years growing up. It was what I was supposed to do. And I thought what I was supposed to do was to do good and be good and always be a good boy. And then God began to reveal to me that there's another way. And there's a way that you can step into everything that I've created you to be. And if you'll step out from underneath the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is where Satan tempts us to go, because it looks good, but how many of y'all know that good is the enemy of great? It looks good. It seems like it's the right thing, but when you step out of that and you step into that tree of life and you begin to eat from it and you begin to focus all of your efforts, not on what I eat or drink or wear or listen to or whatever, but focus your energy on getting close to God and let the Holy Spirit of God reveal to you what's right and good and then let him begin to light your life up. You're gonna find a freedom that you've never known. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right now? just going to ask you this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as you think about what God's saying to you this morning, where are you? Which tree have you been feeding? Are you, are you convinced, have you been convinced your whole life that what you're supposed to do is to do good, but you've never really stepped into the freedom of getting to know God and letting Him set your heart on fire? I bet this morning there are lots of you who have things in your mind that, that you see in the world that are not right, things that you're passionate about. You've never known that you had the freedom to do something about it. You've never heard that if you start taking steps in the direction to do something about it, that God will resource you, will help you, and will step into it with you. That's what he wants to say to you today. Today is a beginning of stepping into freedom. Father, right now, I just pray over this congregation, Lord. I pray over your children. As we hear your words and we see the plan that you've unfolded throughout the ages, God, there is an enemy that has put blinders on your people in lots of ways. Blinders that let us do the good things and maybe help us to not do the bad things, but it keeps us blind to the fact that there's so much more. And this morning, God, we're asking you to help us to have the clarity on how to step into this age of grace this grace that says you did everything that needed to be done so that I can live out what you've built into me. So Lord, with this time of commitment right now, I ask you to simply speak into the lives of your people. Help us, God, to make the commitments and the decisions that will propel us forward 
in this new year. We ask you to move. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet right now. And as you stand to your feet, I just wanna say to you that right now is a great time of commitment. This altar is open. My guess is that there's lots of us that need the Lord's help in where we're going next. So as our band begins to play and sing, if God's calling you forward, if God's calling you to take another step, if God's calling you to move forward in your relationship with him, it would be a great idea for you to put some feet to your faith, step out from where you are, make your way down to this altar, and just you and God have a quiet moment of talking about where he wants to take you. Step out in faith, follow where he's taking you.